And welcome back, my friends. Welcome to episode three of Foul Players Radio, the official podcast of the Foul Players of Perryville. My name is Michael Spedden, your host. This week, we sat down with Jordan Friend, the founding artistic director of 4615 Theater of Chevy Chase, Maryland. They had just completed a very successful season, and they're getting ready to start another one. We sat down and talked about all the things to expect this coming season, their brand new space that they have, and lots of other exciting news. So I think you'll really enjoy this episode. I first met Jordan about five years ago. Uh, we were working together in cockpit at court at CCBC Essex in an Agatha Christie murder mystery called A Murder is Announced, uh, directed by Sherry Brown. Uh, since then, uh, I was invited to work at 4615 Theater a number of years ago. Um, I was in a uh, performance of Othello that Jordan directed, and I uh, came back the next year and worked with him in a summer rep theater. Uh, we did Twelfth Night by Shakespeare and Tis Pity She's a Whore by John Ford. Stay tuned. I think you'll really enjoy this episode. There's lots of exciting things going on at 4615 Theater this season. Also, the Foul Players of Perryville will be performing on the Black Eyed Susan in Haverda Grace, Maryland. The dates coming up are July 21st and September 22nd. In order to get tickets, please go to www.blackeyedsusanhdg.com. That's www.blackeyedsusanhdg.com. Sit back and enjoy the episode. Welcome back, my friends. Um, I'm here this evening sitting down with Jordan Friend, the founding artistic director of 4615 Theater. Great to see you again, pal. Good to see you, too. We're sitting outside on his deck down in beautiful Chevy Chase, Maryland, where this theater company began a number of years ago. Yeah, it's the namesake. It is. It is the namesake here. So, uh, Jordan, you're excited to tell me about all kinds of things today. Uh, you just completed a great season. Tell us about what you did this year. Sure. So this was our, our first full season. We've been around for a couple years, but kind of performing a la carte. Mm-hmm. And uh, last year we made the jump to a full-time theater company Great. Uh, performing uh, four shows a year, uh, which is, Excellent. you know, for a theater our size, a lot, and, and really exciting mm-hmm. that we get to create this variety and spectrum of work. And we're also now performing in a great little black box in Silver Spring. Oh, excellent. So we have a really great adaptable space that mm-hmm. can seat anywhere from 30 to 40 people, so it still Good. maintains the spirit of intimacy that drove our earlier sort of site-specific found space productions, mm-hmm. but we have a lot more sort of technical adaptability now and get to be really flexible with the work we do. Sure. So yeah, we, we, it's, been, it's been a big year for us, and we're about to go into what we're we're calling season two. We've existed for more than two years. But sure, right. We're we're calling this new year of shows season two. Okay, good, good. So I, I remember uh, performing down here, I guess, in... Uh, 4615 BC, we could say. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> in the um, backyard and in the basement. Yeah, you know, but you know, you made it work. Uh, you my, made it work. My very, very, very patient parents made yes. it work. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it worked though. I mean, people came in here, and it, it didn't look like, you know, it, it didn't look amateurish. It looked professional. Oh no, I mean, I we thought, were we were dead know? serious about yeah. what we were doing. We just had no money, yeah. and um, you know, fortunately, the layout of the house was such that we could. Really, actually, come up with some really cool stuff to happen in here. You um, really did, and you know, we've obviously, you know, when we started it, we were all still in school, so there was mm-hmm. an element of scrappiness that yeah. worked for the narrative. Now, mm-hmm. most of the leading artistic team we're all in our mid twenties now, so it's right. it's time we uh, have our own space, and 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 especially as we bring in new audience members more and more it's good to have mm-hmm. a, a more proper destination but we're really committed to and obviously we are because we named the company after the house address oh yeah but we're we're committed to holding on to that spirit of, of intimacy and of 
feeling like you're coming into someone's home when you come to see our shows. That sure. that that tenant still drives a lot of the work we do, even though we're in a theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, to remember that happened, but um, the last night we were doing Othello. Uh, we were doing Othello. Um, yeah, yeah, in a backyard across the street. In a backyard. Yeah, you had you know, some other friends that you know, allowed you to. Uh, you know, we set up shop in their home. And it's amazing how excited people are to have theater happen in their homes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were really great about oh, yeah, it. Yeah, they were awesome. But the final scene, the final scene, the skies opened. Oh up, yes, oh yes. And we did the final. So we packed everybody into the living room. I'm looking up now. Like, yeah, I know. Let's us right now all your beautiful equipment. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, I was because I was. I mean, Shakespeare is, is kind to his lead roles, mm-hmm. and he always gives them act four off. So Yaga, yeah. I was playing Yago in that one, and he disappears for 20 minutes before right. the end of the show. Mm-hmm. So I had time to be on my phone with the director going, okay, here's what's happening, what are we going to do? Uh-huh. And literally as the show was going on, we were working out a plan for how we were going to transplant the whole final last 20 minutes into the living room. Mm-hmm. And just in time... For the skies to open, we got to a point in the show where there was a scene change, <laughs> and we just treated it like a a a, a, found, a, a roving production. It was wild, and yeah. it, it, it changed the ending in a cool way. The text stayed the same, but it, it took on a new life. It really did. It really did. You know, it's just one of those things that happens that um, it ended up working, and it turned out to be you know a plus for the show. That that yeah. tends to be sort of part and parcel to the best discoveries. Yeah, we have <laughs> it really a, we does. have a saying: art from adversity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So tell us a little more about this past season. You had a number of shows going yeah, on. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we um, we started with a summer repertory, and this was our third time doing a summer rep. Um, mm-hmm. We love doing it, and we're going to keep holding on to that. It's a tradition for the company where we, in the summer, go summer stock style, which means, you know, two shows, big cast, short rehearsal process, mm-hmm. so all ingredients that should not go together, um, but we put them <laughs> together. And the idea is um, one of the plays will always be a classical play. Uh-huh. And in the past, we used to pair two classical plays because we had no money and couldn't afford the rights. Sure. But what we've more and more come to doing now that we have a bigger budget is we'll pick up a classical play and then pair it with a contemporary play um, oh, okay. that speaks to the classical play in some way and vice versa. And this is come to define a lot of the work that we do at 4615 uh-huh. is, you know, there are some classical companies in the area, there are a host of contemporary companies, and there are some companies that do a mix of both, but I think what sets us apart is that we really carefully curate the material that we pick from both, you know, centuries old to mm-hmm. sometimes months old, um, right, right. But, but the spirit of what we do is looking at how storytelling is passed down and mm-hmm. at sort of the echo chamber, we call it, how right. themes and characters and story and words and poetry and images resonate between the centuries, um, mm-hmm. and really, really thinking considerately about how we communicate stories. Um, mm-hmm. So with that in mind, what's great about the way we pick our full seasons now is we start, or I say we always do this the second time we've done it, but last year we started with a classical play, and the classical play was King John, um, which we felt was the Shakespeare play for now. It's Mm -hmm. um, got a really healthy dose of political satire to it. It's also lesser known, so it's a story that we get to bring to people Mm -hmm. uh, in large cases with fewer preconceptions about it. And so the, the, the repertory pick to go with King John was easy, because... King John is about 
Eleanor of Aquitaine and her son Prince John, mm -hmm. who is now King John. So of course we did The Lion in Winter, which oh, is sure. you know a 1960s play that features the same historical figures at a younger age. Mm -hmm. um, so we got to look at two different playwrights' incarnations of these people and have actors in many cases double as the same people across the plays, which is a really unique and exciting experience. Mm -hmm. um, so what that turned into was a season about two core themes, family, mm -hmm. and specifically children of legend, the idea sure. of being the child of an incredibly famous parent. So in the fall, of course, we did Electra, uh -huh. which is uh, a darker take on those themes. Obviously, it's a story about family, but it's mm -hmm. a much more fraught family, if that's even possible. Um, and it deals with a, you know, a woman living in the shadow of this extraordinary family narrative that she is reckoning with her position in it and the actions that she's mm -hmm. thinking about taking. And of course, with Electra, we did an extremely contemporary adaptation of Electra. Uh -huh. um, so we used a really modern translation. So we're, okay, we're going to do, you know, one of an, an ancient play and mm -hmm. we're going to frame it in this modern light. And then we closed the season with a newer work, um, we participated in a citywide event, which was the DC Women's Voices Theater Festival. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've 20, heard of those. Yeah, it was yeah. phenomenal. This was the second time they did it. It was our first time participating. And 25 professional theaters in the greater DC area, including Baltimore, yeah. um, each put on a play by a female playwright that was either a premiere or it had no more than two productions previously. Wow, okay. Um, so the idea was doing work to reverse um, sort of the epic imbalance of mm -hmm. playwrights being represented right. in the D.C. area. Um, so we did a play by Saviana Sanescu, who's a phenomenal Romanian playwright. We had done one of her shows before, yeah. Aliens with Extraordinary Skills, um, in the classroom at Woolly Mammoth. Um, and um, this was a play of hers that had been done at La Mama, mm -hmm. uh, the innovative uh, experimental theater in New York. It had won the New York Innovative Theater Award in 2007, I believe. Um, but other than um, a production out um, in California, it hadn't been revived since then, mm -hmm. so it was eligible. Um, and it was it was pretty far off from everything else we did last season. Um, it was the uh, you know inspired in some ways by her own journey as an immigrant to the U.S. It was about a Romanian cosmetologist yes. who um, whose mother sent her to America to mm -hmm. marry a computer programmer she never met, right. and she's haunted by the vampiric ghosts of Nicolae and Elena Ceausescu. <laughs> and the story's crazy, and it's told out of order, and there are musical numbers. It has a cabaret element, but again, it's. A, a person who's a young person who's leaving her family, mm -hmm. trying to build a new family in America, and reckoning with the legacy that she's come from, which is surviving the Romanian Revolution. Mm -hmm. um, and the story in its kind of episodic, epic structure reflected the Odyssey. So we oh, had okay. a play that was pulling from classical tradition, despite uh -huh. being topical and contemporary. Oh, so that, okay. was, that was last season, so mm -hmm. it was built around that. That's great that they're um, having these festivals. Uh, I, I know, um, you know I've had some interaction in the past with Single Carrot Theater, and they're mm -hmm. a big supporter of that. Um, and yeah, also, I'm, I'm not sure if they were one of the participating theaters in the festival. Okay. Is, okay. is, is Dog and Pony Baltimore based? Oh, that's a good question. Be. I'm not sure. I, I might be giving a shout out to a theater that I'm getting geographically completely wrong. But. Well, at least we're mentioning them, you know? Yes. And, uh, <laughs> 
Well, and I think um, and Convergence is out in Baltimore. Convergence Theater is yes, yes. That's based in Baltimore, right? I believe they. I are, know they yeah. were participating in the festival. I, I think Rapid Lemon was involved with them too. They might have been. Yeah. To all of these theaters that I'm just rambling about, I apologize. Well, yeah. Well, you know, it, it's good that they're doing that. You know, giving people opportunities to get their work seen out there. I mean, you absolutely. Can't go and what's great about that. the festival is that it was everything from smaller theaters like us, mm-hmm. you know, only in our first season, all the way up to arena stage. Yeah, yeah. You that's know, being great. Being advertised side by side that that's huge for the smaller theaters mm-hmm. and it's great because you know a lot of people i think feel like their options in the dc theater scene are limited right um right. i mean certainly prices are imposing um yeah but if you know where to look there's a lot of really extraordinary work happening in the small houses and i mean we're committed to never charging more than 1650 for a ticket oh and that includes the service fee the flat rate is is 15 Okay. Um, our view is that theater shouldn't cost more than a 3D movie. Sure, um, sure. You know, you, you shouldn't be deterred from seeing it. It should not be, you know, uh, an activity exclusively for, for sort of elite socialites. It should be communal and for the, for, for everybody. Um, and especially because we do more experimental, yeah. sort of non-traditional mm-hmm. work, mixed in with a lot of classical work. Um, mm-hmm. We really want people to feel incentivized to try something new. And so we do. We put in a lot of work to find funding from as many other places other than ticket sales as sure, possible. Sure, absolutely. Because, you know, we really want to embrace that because we are. I mean, like almost any DC theater, we're a nonprofit organization. Yeah, we think that that's in the spirit of that. That's great. I, I really think that that's a good thing that you're doing. You know, because people getting a chance to see theater. I mean, it's just such a wonderful experience, and it affects people in so many different ways. Absolutely. Um, Especially young children, you know. I think um, our shows are decidedly not for children. Well, not for children, but there. you know, I would say you know, the experience, regardless of whether, yes, you know, absolutely. it definitely is a good thing. Um, I've performed at a number of children's shows. I know, and I've I, seen I, you. yeah, <laughs> and um, very good at it. Well, thank you, thank you, and um, it, and the thing is, it's, it's just amazing seeing the wonder in these kids' faces, mm-hmm. especially when they're leaving, and you know, they want to say. They want to come up to you, and they're staring at you, and they're, like, amazed. You know, they see you in your costume up close, and um, it's just, they, uh, you can tell they got something out of it. You know, they were fascinated by it, and it's something that they really get a chance to, you know, keep in their memories. Well, we don't have little kids at our shows, but we certainly invite high schoolers. I mean, sure, sure, yeah. seeing, seeing high schoolers who, a lot of the time, you know, They've either their experience with theater has either been seeing school shows, which can be uh-huh. great, yeah. or or just going to New York for a vacation and seeing a Broadway show. Oh, yeah, yeah. But they don't experience very much in between those two, and sure. seeing them, you know, come out to a more off the beaten path theater mm-hmm. and see some sort of bold out there work, yeah. and seeing them get excited by it and say, "Oh, theater can be this too." Mm-hmm. Seeing their minds expand as far as what you know the performing arts can be. That's really exciting for yeah. me, and that's really gratifying, especially mm-hmm. because I teach as well. So, Oh, you do? Yes, I, I teach uh, a huge range of ages from, from first grade all the way through high school. Oh, tell um, me about this. Uh, so I, I um, you know, theater, any as anyone can attest, or anyone in the arts, you often have to supplement. Sure you work, do, yeah. And I'm fortunate enough to have other work that really, really, you know, mm-hmm. fulfills me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I teach at an after-school drama program for Georgetown Day School. So oh. I work with uh, first and fifth graders and then adding middle schoolers next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do everything from sort of introductory drama games and stuff all the way up through, you know, dipping their toe into the waters of Shakespeare. 
Wow. Which is really exciting. At that age, young, too. Young kids are amazing at Shakespeare because they have no preconceptions. Sure. And they have nothing to trip up. And they're, you know, they're just sponges about absorbing uh-huh. the, the text and the style. And they, a lot of them just have a natural, it's really exciting. Um, and then I also work with high schoolers, um, whether it be through uh, classes or private coaching uh-huh. uh, or, um, you know, a, a bunch of different forms. But yeah, teaching is a huge, huge part of my life, and it's also mm-hmm. really central to 4615 mission. Sure. We're each year introducing more and more of an educational programming component. Uh, we're training five acting apprentices this summer who are going to be taking acting courses with us. That's exciting. And understudying our shows, which is really exciting. Wow. Yeah, it's and we, when I say apprentices, I mean that they are uh, rising seniors in high school or up all the way through undergrad. So wow. they are, you know, they're really serious about what they're doing and they're on the cusp of kind of stepping forth into their theater careers. Great. So it's a great chance for them to experience a lot of different techniques and work with some really fabulous people. And it also is obviously hugely fulfilling for us as well. Well, good. And besides you know, the mentoring and the internship, are there actual... Um, I mean, some theaters actually offer courses. Are you offering those yet? Uh, not yet. No, no, no. And I'm, we're, we're really, really actually... Um, we want to make sure that any teaching that we're offering mm-hmm. is, is not something that we're charging for. Sure. Um, we want it to be about part of the services that we offer as a theater company. Oh, okay. Which means that we don't teach as many people because we don't have the infrastructure to be teaching Certainly. You know, regulated courses mm-hmm. for sign-ups. But the flip side of it is that it means we get to choose five people who we see a lot of potential in oh, good. and work with them to cultivate that potential. And that's, it's you know, it's a little more boutique, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of benefits to that because we really get to invest in these five students. Okay, that's good. And you said they're rising seniors in high school? Um, as early as that, some of them are all the way in undergrad already. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but they generally range from about 17 to 22, 18 to 22. Oh, that's great. That's great. That's exciting to hear. Yeah. That's good. And that's definitely you know, great to hear here. So, um, so you, you're opening a new season. I believe I yes, saw indeed. something, a little birdie may have told me that it's on uh, the 16th. mass email list birdie. Yep. <laughs> well, we have a party on the 16th. We have our big okay. kickoff party. Um, where we're going to be celebrating how far we've come and giving people a preview of what we have up next. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, the shows proper kick off on July 27th. On July 27th. Just just as the Fringe Festival is winding down. We're not not part of the Fringe Festival. Sure. We're we're a separate thing. And, you know, there aren't many companies in the D.C. area that do summer stock. Oh, Um, right, right. It usually happens up in the Berkshires, Williamstown or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're really, really, we love doing it and we love bringing the spirit of summer stock into our season, so that's why we do two shows in the summer. Oh, okay, right, right. So we have a repertory mm-hmm. of um, Macbeth, which is probably the most famous play we've ever done at 4615. Okay. Um, the Scottish play? The Scottish play, yeah. I'm not Did you just jinx right yourself by saying No, Macbeth? no, no, we're okay. on a deck, not a theater, okay. although this okay. deck has been a theater, so I think y- Yeah, I well, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll drop in the interesting tidbit, you know, one of the great explanations oh, that play is cursed, but one of the great reasons why it has such a long history of injuries occurring during the play Mm -hmm. is that unlike, say, Coriolanus or King John, where a lot of the big fights happen at the beginning of the play, Uh Macbeth, the big, big fight, is the very, very last scene of the play, and Mm -hmm. it's between Macbeth and Macduff, who have both been acting these incredibly exhausting roles for an entire show, Uh and now they have to do the biggest fight in all of Shakespeare. (laughs) They're tired, they're strung out, and... 
It's a dark play, which means the lighting is often dim and moody. Mm-hmm. You can't see as well. It was one of the first Shakespeare plays to be performed indoors oh, by candlelight. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, the risk factors going into the play, curses aside, are enormous. Right, so, right. Um, but, you know, so we have to take a lot of safety precautions. We're working with a great choreographer to make sure that our actors are safe. Oh, good. Because it is a heck of a fight in mm-hmm. the play. Great. So you have a cho- who's your choreographer you're working with? Uh, the fight choreographer for the shows is Matt Castleman. He's he's pretty new okay. in the DC area, and he's also a phenomenal actor. He's acting in the other show, mm-hmm. um, which is Dinner by Maura Buffini. Um, mm-hmm. She's a phenomenal English playwright um, who loves sort of epic scale and injects right. a whole dose of sort of mad devilish glee into her plays um, and um, her play Handbagged was just at Roundhouse for the Women's Voices Theatre Festival mm-hmm. Handbagged being a play about Margaret Thatcher <laughs> and we're doing the DC premiere of Dinner which oh. is another play of hers that's had a lot of popularity in the UK but has not been performed uh, stateside very much mm-hmm. um, and I cannot say too much about it other than to say that it is a dinner uh-huh. and that it is a one-act play set over four courses of food <laughs> and that the guests are very colorful characters uh-huh. and that it begins as uh, one kind of play. A listener's please pardon my neighbor's dog. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just a little bit of absurdism injected into the proceedings. But uh, needless to say, it begins as one kind of play that you think it's going to be mm-hmm. and then over four courses of food, it... it turns into something else entirely but the, the the enjoyment of the play is in the twist so our our marketing campaign is just that we're saying don't spoil dinner mm-hmm. which is a terrible pun um, <laughs> but what I will say is that we the, the, the parallels with Macbeth are not mm-hmm. as obvious as the parallels of last summer's rep were uh, and what we're really excited about is for audiences to see it and then tell us what they saw connecting the two plays because mm-hmm. there are characters in the play who have thematic resonances with some of the characters in Macbeth. Right. There's the obvious matter that Macbeth also has one of the most hellacious dinner party scenes of all time with yeah. Uncle's Ghost. So you'll see some resonances there. But but there are other sort of richer and more thematic ties, mm-hmm. stylistic ties between the two plays that I'm really excited for people to kind of dig up themselves. So we're, we're trusting in faith that people will see one show and be tantalized into seeing the other. Um, sure. Because it's a bit of a of a treasure hunt for the audiences to figure out why we paired them up. Um, so that that's the summer, and those are July 27th through August 25th, um, now, and they share a cast. Right. Well, now, will these be at the Black Box Theater that you have in Silver Spring? Yes, and to clarify, we're, we're not at the Silver Spring Black Box, the titular one. We're at a different okay. Black Box okay. um, off of Georgia Avenue. A uh, Black Box that happens to be in Silver Spring. Yes. Okay. Um, so uh, we, we always we sometimes get questions about that. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, where is that? It's right off of Georgia Avenue. Um, it's near the uh, firehouse bar and restaurant. Sure. Um, okay. Yeah, it's a cool, it's a really hopping little neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a 10 minute walk from the metro. Oh, great. And free great. parking. There's lots of free parking. So. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. That's great. And lots of great restaurants in the area, too. I'm really pitching it as a destination, as you can tell. Yeah, a dinner and a show. Why Absolutely. not? Absolutely. Why not? And if you see dinner and dinner, the show, you can do dinner twice. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Get dinner and then see dinner. Get dinner and see dinner. Exactly. Um, you will not want to eat the food that they're eating in the show. Yeah. That, that I can tell you as a clue. Um, Who cooked it? Uh, we'll see. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's a spoiler. Ah. Um, so... Um, then in the fall, we have a really exciting, very different departure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Venus in Fur by David Ives. 
Okay, which good. Is a super popular uh, play. It was, but it hasn't been. Uh, it was done by a studio theater in 2011, I believe. Mm-hmm. So it's been about seven years since um, uh, a professional DC production. I think someone can correct mm-hmm. me on that. Um, but it's a phenomenal piece that really captures a lot of 4615's interest because mm-hmm. it is about a director playwright who has adapted, you know, a 19th century Austrian novella oh, wow. and is looking to cast the lead role in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in comes this actress who is seemingly frazzled and inexperienced but also shares the same name as his lead character mm. and seems to have a main line into the soul of the piece and into his soul a little bit too. Um, sure. And they engage in this kind of pas de deux mm-hmm. on a stormy evening <laughs> in the rehearsal studio. Um, and it's, it's a very sensual piece. It's very funny. Mm-hmm. And it, it has a lot to say about, about uh, sexuality and power dynamics, but it also has a lot to say about storytelling and sure. about the way a piece comes to life through new voices. Uh-huh. Um, so it's a perfect 4615 show, and we're going to stage it insanely intimately. Great. We're doing it in an even smaller space within our building, in a, mm-hmm. in a rehearsal studio. It'll probably seat 15 to 20 people tops, and everyone is going to be breathing down the actor's necks. Oh, wow. So, yeah, you can't run away from it. It's going to be a crazy piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, in the winter slash spring, we're closing out with probably the biggest thing we've ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, oh, and I should mention uh, Venus and Furs, I believe. August 25th to November 18th. I should have my notes with me. Oh, okay. You can see it on the website. Um, But then uh, opening February 22nd, we have a world premiere um, of a play called Separate Rooms, which is by Joe Calarco, um, who's a very, very well-established and renowned uh, director in the D.C. area, Mm. and he's also a nationally awarded and recognized playwright. Uh, Probably most known for penning uh, Shakespeare's R and J, which is uh, an adaptation of Romeo and Juliet, written for four schoolboys. Um, oh, okay. It's really powerful, and it's gone through a lot of different iterations, and it's produced all over the country. Um, and he's written a number of fabulous plays as well. And he's also the resident director and the director of new works at Signature Theater in Virginia. Oh, okay. Um, and he uh, came to see some of our work last year, and mm-hmm. we got to talking with him and. He gave us this incredibly beautiful, funny, moving, wistful, haunting script that he thought would be a good fit for us, and uh-huh. then we thought it would be a phenomenal fit for us. So, uh, fast forward a year, and we're presenting a world premiere play by a nationally recognized playwright, which That's is great for us an enormous leap forward and incredibly exciting. And the, the play is is off the charts cool. Um, it's ghostly. It's a you know, a man coming to us from the dead while his friends gather in his apartment and mourn, but it's funny, yeah. and it's it's got a lot of direct address that feels classical, but the language is poetic and contemporary at the same time. So, um, But the theme that, that captures the whole season between Venus and Fur and Separate Rooms and then Dinner and Macbeth is we're calling it kind of a gods-on-earth season uh-huh. uh, right. that deals with fate and mm-hmm. free will and the supernatural. Yeah. That all these characters are either hubristic in some way sure. or they're reckoning with how they shape the narrative of their own lives. Okay. There's a lot of who am I going on this season and who do other people think I am. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so, which is kind of, you know, inherently hubristic. Um, but, right. you know, with Venus and Fur... There's obviously the the suggestion that this actress may, on some level, be an incarnation of Aphrodite. Oh. Um, and then with separate rooms, we're dealing with ghosts mm-hmm. and the afterlife and people watching the aftermath of their lives and trying to find a way to connect with it. I can't say too much more about it. Um, and then obviously Macbeth, you sure. have somebody who's dealing 
do I have, am I fated to, to the things that I'm headed towards? Do mm -hmm. I have free will in the matter? So, and then dinner, these questions are addressed in ways that, once again, I just cannot spoil. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, so it's a, it's a more cosmic season than last season. It's wow. kind of got its eyes towards the stars. Well, I, I can just imagine, I mean, you, you mentioned the last play that you're doing in the season was one that's going to be a world premiere. Um, yeah, I recently wrote one, too, that I'm doing with my group. And um, even in rehearsals, just seeing your characters come to life is really exciting, you know, in the short bit that I've well, been Well, and doing. for the actors to know that they are sort of yeah. giving giving birth to these characters in a way. And yeah. and it helps that Joe's characters are stunningly, beautifully, clearly drawn. I mean, sure. they're really incredible, so... I can imagine what it's like for him. I mean, just, uh, you know, what's going through his mind as he's, you know, preparing to come see you do his play. Well, fortunately, we have the benefit of him being pretty intimately involved in oh, the process. Oh, he is involved. Okay. Oh, yeah, he's going to okay. be involved in casting, he, and oh, okay. he'll be coming to some rehearsals with the cast, oh, he'll be good. doing table work, and the script may go through some development, so he's very much a part of the team for this process. Oh, okay, I, I wasn't um, sure if he was just... Oh, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, there was, um, because there, there have been some theaters I've seen from out of town where, um, they did a world premiere, but the person lived entirely on the other side of the yeah, country. Yeah, that can happen, too. And they you know, flew in and saw it, and they were really happy with it. Um, or you could be very not happy. Yeah. <laughs> could you I, imagine I prefer that? for the playwright to know what, what he's getting himself into. Yeah, into. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fortunately, they were very happy with what they saw at this theater, too. Yeah. Um, that was really good. So, um, so this is great. So you've got an exciting new season coming up here, and I'm really you know, happy to hear about all the great new changes and everything. Um you're casting. Who have you... Uh, is there anybody that you'd like to talk about or oh, mention? Oh, well, we have lots of wonderful new people coming in, as well as some old favorites. I mean, some of the people for six audiences know, like Charlie Cook and Morgan Sendak, a lot of Kravitz, Nam Dar, um, trying to, uh, James Kerr. I mean, a lot of a lot of sort of great people who have sure. done shows with us before are returning. We've also got a lot of really exciting new actors. Our Lady Macbeth this summer is uh, Charlene B. Smith, mm -hmm. who's the artistic director of Brave Spirits Theater in Alexandria, which is a classical-driven company um, that also has a huge uh, focus towards uh, representing women in classical work, uh -huh. especially. Um, and they do in incredible, incredible work. Um, and uh, work. she's also a, a hugely gifted actor, so mm -hmm. it's, it's a real coup for us to have her as Lady Macbeth. Um, and obviously, she's also one of the most knowledgeable people on classical theater in the D.C. area. Oh, that's great. Um, so, and then we have um, a lot of great people in the cast. Our Macbeth is making his D.C. debut with us. He's just gotten off tour uh, he, with the National Players out of Olney, so he's been touring the country as Iago. Oh, that's um, exciting. Yeah, and now he's, he's, he's landing in D.C. and kicking off things as, as Macbeth, which oh, is great. really exciting, and he's great. Um, we've got uh, Jeremy Keith Hunter, who's mm -hmm. a phenomenal actor. Um, he was just one of the two leads in uh, Hooded at Mosaic Theater on H Street, um, which just had its second production. They revived it. Okay, um, yeah. And it's hugely successful and acclaimed production, and he's a phenomenal actor. He's Nick Duff. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's a really, really, really great cast. Um, and uh, Dinner is going to be directed by Steve Zimmerman, who directed okay. our Electra last fall much acclaim. Okay, so, so you have lots your of wonderful people involved. Yeah, great, great. So have you have you cast the of the plays that are starting in the fall and the winter? Oh, we have not. We're we're in the process of doing that right now. So okay. we cast the summer shows, um, but we then cast each show on a rolling basis. Um, okay. So we've had our big open call. We've seen 
you know, uh, 200 or so wonderful actors. Great. Um, and then as we hit each show, we pull from the people that we saw as well as the people that we know elsewhere. And wow. we start figuring out the puzzle. Excellent. That's excellent. Teams. So, you know, for future, um, how would one get a hold of you and get a hold of your notices for oh, casting? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, if you're interested in casting... Um, we always accept submissions. Um, you can send your headshot and resume to info at 4615theater.com. Okay. We spell that with an R-E, theater. Um, sure. And then if you want to you know, hear about our shows and our notices, mm-hmm. um, there's a button to subscribe to our newsletter on the website. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can also just email info at 4615theater.com and say, put me on the newsletter. Okay, and, great. Uh, we will always tell you when we have cool things happening. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Which that's, is pretty often now. It's very often down here from what I'm hearing. It's, it's exciting to hear all this great news and all these new things that you're doing down here for sure. Um, so you have, um, so you've started auditioning for, I guess, Venus and Fur and this. And separate rooms. And yeah. separate rooms, yeah, okay. We, we've dipped our toe into that process now. Okay, good, well, good. Um, okay, so, um, all right. Here, let me pause real quick. Okay, Jordan, so in closing, I mean, I'm very excited to hear and very happy to hear about all these great new things that are going on down here at 4615. Um, so, um, tell us, you had a couple of other things you wanted to bring up. Yeah, as we wait for this plane to Let's pass overhead. Let's wait for overhead. the plane to pass overhead, yes. Remember when the uh, helicopter passed over during Othello? Yes, yes. I thought the government was surveilling us or something. <laughs> um, so you remember during uh, Tis Pity when those kids were jumping on the, the trampoline? The trampoline, oh my God. Old yeah, old problems. Yeah, I know. We have bigger, newer problems now. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the kids grew and they're a lot yes. bigger and they're out there. <laughs> <laughs> um no, I mean, the, the last thing is, you know, I always take advantage of having a platform like this to say that, you know, we are a nonprofit organization. Sure. And uh, especially as a smaller company, we're very much sort of built on the foundation of support created by a community. Mm-hmm. A, a huge portion of, of, our, of our budget is created by individual contributions, mm-hmm. especially because our ticket prices are so low and because we're committed to keeping them low. Sure. We rely on people who have the... The means to give to us and to mm-hmm. give more than just the price of a ticket to make it all possible. So, you know, we're in the midst of a big push right now to raise money for the new season and sure. for a lot of really exciting projects that we have in the future. So, uh, if, if anything I'm saying or if a show you see, you know, compels you to give, um, there's a portal on our website at 4615theater.com slash support. And we also uh, accept checks by mail to uh, P.O. Box 30941. Mm-hmm. I think I said that right. Um, in uh, Bethesda, Maryland. Anyways, it's on our website. If you don't listen to anything I say, okay. um, but yeah, every every little bit counts um, towards making it all possible, and it's deeply appreciated. Plus, uh, when you give to us, you get access to cool stuff like you. Depending on the amount, you mm-hmm. get billing in our program. You can come and see sort of special behind the scenes rehearsals. Right. Um, I think that there's a there's a level that if you give at, you get dinner with the cast and oh. we'll, like, cook you food and stuff. And give you a behind-the-scenes look at the show. Excellent. Very fun to do before an evening of the production dinner. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's a really fun way to uh, to get involved with the company while also helping us an enormous amount. So it's much appreciated. Great, great. So your website again, one more time. www.4615theater.com. Theater spelled with an R E. Theater spelled with an R E, as it should be here. And the number is four six one five. And the number four six one five. Four six one five theater dot com. Great. 
Great. Well, Jordan, it's been a pleasure to see you yeah, again, my brother. It's wonderful to see you as always. And uh, thank you for listening.